This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Oh, all right. Good morning. Um, so we are about... We're under two weeks for uh, the big move to Seattle and getting ready for that. So that's been crazy. Finally got my apartment. My first one fell through and my second one fell through. Um, But my third one was a charm and I'm closer to Seattle. So that's nice. And there's a playground. Whippee. Um... Getting, getting down, to packing. I got to pack over 20 boxes of books at my house, and my house looks like a storage unit right now <laughs> with kids' toys everywhere. Um, but me and Milo have been using them to, to play tag and war and all that sorts of stuff. I mean, by war, I mean, like, I have a... He has a Nerf gun, and I have his bow and arrow, and... We use those to hide behind. Anyhow, so that's what's going on there. Um, getting ready to go to Seattle, and I just wanted to say, like, you know, we're really um, excited about it, and I'm just going to plug, like, well, I'll, I'll wait a minute to plug it, maybe. Um, trying to think what we're doing. Oh, we're working on getting new Instagram handle. We're excited about that. Um, fingers crossed, everybody. Um and what else? Oh, so yeah, getting ready, leaving Minnesota. Um, yesterday, I I decided to drive down to um, the prison that my dad was in in Rochester, Minnesota. It's about an hour and forty five minutes away, and uh, you know that's where I first saw my dad in prison, and spent quite a few years going there and and um, seeing him. And uh, had a lot of really tough times there. Um, it's hard to say any good times, but I mean, we definitely had some really good connections there. Um, we definitely connected there, but it was really a, a dark time in my family's life and history. Um, but yeah, so I drove down there yesterday and uh, just went down to the prison, looked around, took a couple pictures, and then the uh, prison guard asked me to leave. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, very nicely, we had a conversation, and he was actually quite nice, so I appreciated that and said that my dad was one of the more famous people that they'd had there and uh, talked about COVID and all that kind of stuff. But it was just one of those things where you kind of just go to make peace with with your with your past in a mm-hmm. way, and I just wanted to kind of... Un- uh, I don't know what the word i don't even know what, you know i just wanted to say goodbye to that time in my life mm, a little so, bit of closure yeah you know it's closure yeah. Um, yeah i don't know i mean i don't even know if it was closure because mm. it's always going to be with me yeah it's just one of those things that you know i tried to think of a few things i wanted to do before i left and so that was one of them i think the other one is i'd like to go see paisley park so that'll be it um anyhow so yeah we're doing a little going away going away thing today after service with some of the congregation here you know i hate goodbyes i'm like like spent my life saying goodbye to people i love and so i've never been a huge fan of it but i'm gonna do it anyway because it's called humanity being a good human practicing customs and not just disappearing not ghosting um but anyhow but it's not goodbye it's just see you later um, but yeah, one of the things I was going to say is as we're getting ready to go to, um, Seattle, I've been, I, I did a little video on Instagram and I'll probably do a video for Facebook in the next day or two of, um, just trying to raise a little extra money. Um, Caleb's been volunteering with revolution for a, a, how long now? Uh, it's actually almost been three years, three years. It's all, yeah. Cause I got a, a three year notification that uh, about me moving here. I guess I didn't quite start volunteering right when I moved okay. here. But. So almost three years? Wow, I said one year. That's crazy. Time flies. Um, that is weird. Yeah, three. I, I moved here three years ago. So Caleb's been working for us for no money. 
and helped us do the Meet Your Congregation and the Afterglow and has added so much to this church. And we'd really like to be able to eventually raise enough funds to pay him. Um, uh, and hopefully that'll happen um, as we continue to grow and continue to do our work and, and stuff like that. Um, one of the things I wanted to do, though, and we're, I'm going to do either way, but is pay for for Caleb's moving expenses out to uh, to Seattle. Um, I'm going to pay for it one way or the other, but if you guys could make donations to the church and we could raise a little extra money, that we could help put that towards the move, um, towards his part of the move, and I would, you know, would really help me and would really help us uh, get out to Seattle, and we're going to be looking for a new building out there, and um, also looking at a new camera that's about $400 that we want, or four $500, and so hopefully going to raise some money so we can get that too. Just so as we do the COVID stuff, it can look better, and then it also will move into the actual setting of when we have a church building. We'll use that camera there as well to continue to be online and probably even start our own YouTube channel. Mm. So um, you can go to revolutionchurch.com, and we have uh, PayPal, and it's pretty simple to figure out. And we really could use your support um, to get to Seattle and to uh, get that camera. You know, maybe maybe there's somebody out there who could just like, we could do it, you know, one person or a bunch of people. But yeah, we could use your support. I hate raising money more than I hate saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> hey, that's um, a good country song. Yeah. So uh, it's a lot of family, a lot of baggage, a lot of baggage with a baker raising money, but. That's what we need. We need your help. We need your support. And if you can afford it, please do. Um, you know, you can even put a note on the thing, just like help for Seattle, you know, help to get out to Seattle. Um, it'd be great if we could raise like, if we could raise 1500 bucks, we could pay for half the move and get that new uh, camera so we could stop using my crazy phone or Caleb's thing when my phone doesn't work and get a little bit more organized and probably give you some more quality camera work. Anyhow, mm. think about it. We'd, we'd love the support, but I'll say I know it's freaking COVID time and everybody's having a tough time. So I get that too. Um, you know, it's a weird time to move, man. Anyhow. So, um, I'm in Galatians today. I don't know why. I don't know why I keep going to Galatians. The dog returns to its vomit. Right. Um, oh but, um, I've really, really been working and thinking about this this um at night is a lot of times when my sermons come to me when i'm just laying in bed and um this the thought of atonement theory was rolling through my head and some of the ideas that paul talks about you know because you know a lot of us who don't believe completely in atonement theory would say well paul did and um, and I've always felt that Paul did, but now I've kind of see that maybe Paul sees atonement theory in a different way than I've ever realized. And so this just came to me as I, I was just putting verses together in my head from Galatians going like, okay, well, um, what is this? What does this look like? And what was, what was Paul thinking with atonement theory? So that's where we're going to go today. Um, so let's get into it. Turn with me to Galatians. Uh, I'm going to be in Galatians 2, um, 15 through 21 to start out with. And um, did I say 2? Yeah, 15 through 21. Um, it's almost bifocal time, I'm going to tell you. Um, I don't want to get them. I've got reading glasses, but I always forget them. Um, getting old is not for the weak-hearted. Um, we ourselves, not for the young. we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. I like that. Nice, nice dig there, Paul. Um, yet we know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So you go, oh, there it is, you know, but keep reading. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified in faith in Christ and not by doing works of the law. Because no one will be justified by the works of the law. I've always loved that verse. Um, But if, in our effort to be justified by Christ, we ourselves have been found to be sinners, 
Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. Um, But if I build up again the very thing that I once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. One of the things I always liked, particularly about 19, is, you know, you go into this whole sin thing and you think, oh, if I become a Christian and then I find I'm this horrible sinner and blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, if I rebuild the old system, and this is what the transgression that he's talking about, is if I go back and create the law again. If I start to go back and to create things that I have to do in order to be a Christian, then I'm falling. Mm. When I go, you have to do this, you have to do this, and you have to do that. You know, A, B, and C. If you don't do those things, then um, you're out. You know, so when you rebuild that system, you're falling back into it. When you rebuild legalism, and I think in American church tradition, we've done so much of recreating, creating a new law that's under Christ's name and that Jesus, you know, well, you need to do this or you need to vote this way or you need to think that way. I think one of the reasons I get particularly angry when I see or maybe annoyed is a better word, when I see progressives being like, well, if you don't vote for Biden, you're not a real Christian, or if you vote for Trump, you're not a real Christian, is it's the idea of we're creating another law, mm-hmm. you know, and we're saying, you know, and I'm like, I'd, I'd expect that from fundamentalists, you know. I wouldn't expect that from from progressives, but then again, progressives aren't all grace-loving, you know, people too, but sometimes I make that mistake. Of thinking that we are that way, um, because I'm that way, so I think, oh, we all must be the same, but yeah. that's not the truth. But that whole idea of you know um, rebuilding a system or creating a new system in order to be Christian enough, you know, um, it's like being a little pregnant. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> you know, you either are or you aren't. You know, hey, he's a little dead. You know, no, he's either, you're either dead or you're alive. So you go there. Nineteen says. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live in God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Okay, so there we kind of go, kind of that atonement vibe feel of, well, he gave himself for me. Um, here's Paul saying that as a Jew, but then he goes in, in in a few minutes, we'll see something else differently that he says that kind of questions that. But um, in 21, he goes, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Okay, so that would seem like, I like the, the New Living Version. It says, uh, I'm not one of those who treats the grace of God as meaningless, for if you're saved by the law, then Christ died in vain. I like that translation a lot um Mm. but here's the idea is 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 okay well then you know then it definitely must be atonement theory that was one that i always thought here and i when i was an atonement total atonement dude Mm. i totally hit 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 hard you know with it and um you know telling people that all the time because i was like oh you don't have to be in the law you're free you just have to have jesus you know and this is you know jesus died on the cross for your sins um but let's look at this in a different way by using Paul's own words um, and in the same letter, so we won't even have to jump around. Um, Galatians 3, um, 1 through 9, Paul goes, um, and this is a lot of reading here, so put your safety belt on. Um, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly executed and crucified. The only thing I want to learn from you is did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So Paul's arguing that it's by hearing, not by doing. Um, not a popular idea right now in a lot of people's minds, but that's what he's saying. You know, you, you, got, you got it from hearing, not doing. Um, Have you started with the Spirit, or are you now ending with the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing? If it it really was for nothing, well then, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you by the doing of the works or the law, or by you believing what you heard? Now here's 
So Paul's asking this question, and he's going to answer the question. He says right here, he goes, um, he says, um, just as Abraham believed in God and was reckoned to him as righteous, so you see those who believe are the descendants of Abraham. And the scriptures foreseen that God would justify the Gentiles by faith declared that the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, all of the Gentiles shall be blessed in you. For this reason, those who believe are blessed with Abraham who believed. Okay, now this is where it gets interesting because he's, Paul's saying this was a promise to Abraham that was being fulfilled. And so I guess one of the questions now is, is, you know, this idea of faith delivered beforehand to Abraham. Um, the question is, what happened to this faith in between Abraham and Jesus? And was Jesus required in order for the truth, for Abraham's promise to come true? Mm. So we're going to have to wait thousands of years for Jesus to die in order for the truth of Abraham to come true, or did the Abraham's faith make him righteous right then? Well, if we know the story, if, you, if you're familiar with the story, <laughs> he was made right because of his faith at that point. Now then, was it just for Jews, and was it that Jesus came to save Gentiles? So now this is something we don't talk about a lot. Mm. It was the idea is that the sacrifice wasn't for, for Jews because Jews were already chosen by God, but that, so everybody could save, so all the Gentiles, so non-Jewish people. So it was Jesus' death a sign of complete inclusion. Um, and there's verses that say he did not punish those who sinned in former times. So is it that right. he included, Jesus came and then just time traveled basically back all the sins in the past and then covered everybody from that point on. So is, is Jesus is Jesus the savior of the Gentiles? You know, is, is that what we needed the crucifixion for? Is that what we needed mm. Jesus' death for? Hmm... So that's, you know, I've never heard that preached. Um, I'm sure someone has. I mean, there's a million theologians and pastors and people out there, but something to think on. But I digress. Um, <laughs> I mean, aggress. What I, aggress? Regress? I don't know. Regress windows. Um, Galatians three fifteen, if you will, um, says... Uh, It says, brothers and sisters, I give an example from the daily life. Once a person's will has been ratified, no one adds to it or annuls it. Now this promise, now this promise lies where made to Abraham and to his offspring. And it does not say and to his offspring as it many, but it says and to your offspring. That is one person who is Christ. My point is this, the law which came 430 years later, did you get that? 430 years later, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God's, by God so as to nullify the promise. For if the inheritance, come, inheritance comes from the law, it no longer comes from the promise. But God granted it to Abraham through the promise. So, once again, we look at this promise, the idea that um, the idea that the law, which came from 430 years later, so so grace ex grace exists 430 years prior to the law and when the law is given. Um, grace, that's grace. So there we have an example of grace. So then, is the promise then that was made to Abraham for the Gentiles way in the future when the Messiah comes? You know, that's, that I guess would be the question is, is grace, you know, and all these people who create the law, they create the law 
because grace doesn't seem like it's enough or maybe it seems too wishy-washy. I mean, usually when you start to get law in religion, it's because people don't have enough to do or guys like me have to preach every week and have Mm -hmm. to come up with something to tell you to do and then we have to get you to come back. So we kind of have to make you feel guilty and make you feel like you're not doing enough for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so you got to come back next week and hear what you can do to even be Mm -hmm. better saved, to be more (laughs) saved, um, to be more complete and whole and fill that lack with something that I have Mm -hmm. for you next week. Um, that's honestly why I've never been like, you know, the past few, you know, probably 15 years, I've never been like, oh, you need to come to revolution every week. You know, uh, it just, it's not my thing. You know, it, it's not about that. Um, I think churches can be sporadic if you want it to be, um, especially if you read on your own. Um, so, so the idea is, is, is so what is, what is, what is Jesus coming in for then? someone's asking to be in our video. Um, interesting. <laughs> We've never done that before. Mm. And we won't do it today. Um, so Can I try? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the question. So I mean, maybe the, the video actually has an answer. Ah. So we'll never know. Maybe it was God. Maybe we'll try it next week. So let's just look at this again. So let's go back to Galatians. We just did the 15. Let's go back to Galatians 3. Um. And 12 through 14, because I know I'm preaching heresy right now to a lot of people, and that's exciting, right? Um, Galatians 3, 12 to 14. Where are you, 12? Sorry, the light in here is not fantastic because I want it to look warm. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so what, is, what does 12 through 14 say? But the law does not rest on faith, on the contrary, whoever does the work of the law will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. There you go. Do you see that again? In order that Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, might come to the Gentiles so that those who might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Interesting, again, we have this Gentile curve. Do you see that? This idea of what's the Gentiles doing? Is it for the Gentiles? You know, and then we also have, you know, the best in the end of three, that there's neither male nor female, no Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. So... I have my own theological ideas behind atonement theory, and none of them come from Galatians, believe it or not. Um, but here's the thing. is um, What I'm trying to do is unpack is what is Paul saying and what does Paul necessarily believe? And I'm, I, do I have a conclusion for you? I never have a conclusion for you. Okay, folks. Um, but listen to this. So, so it's the law that we are saved from and not original sin. Is that what Paul's mm. saying too? Is he saying that Christ saved us from the law, mm. not sin? Mm. So when we say well, Jesus Christ died for our sins, but is that sin, is that transgression building the law and becoming dependent on the law? And I think, I think that's a pretty deep question and oh. I think that's a pretty powerful thing and I know for me when I was studying this I was like oh my gosh you know I've never had someone be like have you been forgiven of the law have you been forgiven for depending on your own works mm-hmm. have you repented you of know the law? no one says that <laughs> so so that's the that's that's the thing is is that that makes the atonement a little bit different when you see Jesus's life saving us Jesus' death being a sacrifice so we could have grace through the law. Now, this is where I've, my theology kind of comes in, is that I've always felt that Christ came to show us, to allow us to see, one, that we can be human and that we're all humans and that we can live with our lacks and that we don't have to fill them with all sorts of crazy stuff, um, that we can live in... in, in, in uh, contradiction in life, um, but also to show us that we're free from the law. 
and to say, you know, you've gotten it wrong. You've missed, miss, we've been missing this. And I don't want you to kill your neighbor or take out an eye for an eye or tooth for tooth. I want you to love them. I want you to forgive them. I think the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus comes, he's making it kind of pretty clear what he's here to do. And he goes, you've heard it said, which he refers to the law. And he goes, but I say, Mm -hmm. and he changes the law right there. So Jesus comes in, changes the law and says, yeah, and he kind of ups the ante a little bit. And legalists love that. They'd be like, oh, he just makes it even harder, you know. Um, but that's not the idea, is he's not saying these things, if you have to do these things in order to be saved. He says people will know you're saved if you do these things. But he doesn't say these are what you have to do, A, B, C, or D. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's stuff that's saying it's setting us free from law, that we have to love our neighbor, that we have to love our enemies. So to the point was like you can't, you know, and the law would say you can't go in there because it's unclean. And when we see automatically as the new covenant, as Jesus is, death and resurrection is happening, we see automatically, like Peter going to a place and hanging out with people that he's not supposed to, and going into these things, and all, all of a sudden, inclusion. All this, all, everybody's mingling within each other. And so, I guess you could say, was Jesus' death to free Gentiles from having to ever follow a law, and to set free the Jews from the law? <sighs> And I think there's a reason why we want Jesus' death to serve such a great purpose is because I don't think we like looking at um, well, so because I'm, I'm thinking grace is, if grace has always been since Abraham, you know what I'm saying? Like grace has always been since grace has always existed. So Jesus comes in and says, "Here it is. It's always been here." it's time to get back to it. It's almost like a reformation or going back to the truth or, or, um, you know, let's get back to our, our, our original, original concepts, original ideas. And, um, and so Jesus is almost a reformer in a way. Mm-hmm. And, and what's very interesting to me, I'm sorry, my brain is working in different ways right now. Um, what, 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 what's, interesting to me about this idea, sorry I've lost my track of mind track of thought resurrection, grace blah blah blah, Jesus died. oh okay why I feel like we want to have the victory This is the victory of Jesus has died accomplished everything on the cross I want all this as because we don't want to face the idea of a fallen God we don't want to face the idea of a fallen savior. One of the first um, tags, or you know, what you know, graffiti that's been traced is in in, in back in, in Rome was a, a crucified God, and that was a joke. It was a mocking. You you mocked God. You, no one would serve a crucified God. Mm. That was a r- ridiculous idea. It would be as though if someone came today claiming to be the Savior and a lot of us followed him and then they were executed. And, and they were, you know. Mm-hmm. And how weird that would be. Like, you follow the guy who was killed in the electric chair and, you know, mm-hmm. I heard he came back, but it's hearsay, you know. Um, people would be kind of freaked out. And, and that's what's happening. Um, but for me, it's... Um, I asked the question again, is it forgiveness of OG sins or the curse of the law? Um, was his death for the Gentiles to be included? We asked that. Or was his life a reminder of what religion of can be or what religion truly is? Was Christ's life true religion is one of the things. I, I, I'm just reading through my notes right now. Was Christ's life an example of true religion? Now let's get back to this idea of what about the crucifixion we want to make the crucifixion a victory rather than humiliation that it was we don't want to serve a cursed god this is a problem for a lot of people um we fear the contradiction of a murdered god Mm. you know we, we we fear we fear the idea of 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 this contradiction um of a fallen god of of, of a God that can completely empathize with humanity to the point of falling into even our own failure. Yeah. You know, that God is capable of, of, of failing. Um, this is 
you know, something I'm working on. Um, but it, the thing is, is with having a God that's humiliated, a humiliated God, following a humiliated God, following a God that has, has fallen, um, even when we look at the resurrection, it, 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 we can argue things like, you know, Christ came back, but he wasn't in the brand new body that Paul talked about. You know, I mean, he was scarred up. He couldn't be touched. He, he didn't want to be touched. There's a whole sermon there too, but, you know, he had holes in his hands, scars in his, probably scars in his head. He was probably scars on his back. He's probably pretty mutilated as he walks around, you know. We like to think that he only kept like the cool scars. Um, you know, comes back and, and what is this example of this tortured human that is that has come back to life and, and, and is still full of scars, you know? Um, you know, what is that for? Um, well, it still shows, it still shares the marks of the failure, the marks of the death, the marks mm. of the punishment. And we want to, we want it so badly to be a success story. But this is my thing is like, I, I understand that. But perhaps some of us don't need it to be a success story. Hmm. Maybe perhaps we need to realize that we're missing out on the nature of God in such a way that we've never seen it because we've been afraid to look at it. And perhaps the idea of a fallen God, of our humiliated God, is what separates us and separates our faith from so many other faiths because other faiths are all about, you know, and I'm not saying one faith is better than the other, but what I'm saying is, is when my faith, you know, the Christianity, what's interesting about Christianity, and this is why a lot of philosophers study Christianity is because of the idea of a humiliated God, a humiliated savior, a, the death of God thought theology. A lot of this stuff comes from that is this idea that, that somehow this religion is willing to be humiliated when every, you know, most religions are about success and winning and being all in control and all powerful. And here at this moment, we literally see the weakness of God, which I think John Caputo talks a lot yep. about. Mm -hmm. So here we are. Pretty interesting, right? Um, now, honestly, today's sermon is coming from some of my theology in my head and from Galatians. I've just seen some other verses pop up and I, I don't, I, 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 I try not to jump around too much. I try to try to do context stuff, but it, it's tough. I understand. But, but there are, I, I think we could, I think we could find other things in the Bible that we could argue what I'm saying against what I'm saying and for what I'm saying. Um, but I also have to, we also have to remember is that we've been taught so long to read the Bible in a particular way and to think of it a different way and to think of the resurrection in a particular way and to think of the death of Christ in a particular way. And of course, this is going to sound like heresy if you've been raised like I was in the Assemblies of God Church or things like that. It's going to be completely heretical in your, in your head, you know. And um, I just saw somebody said fully human means fully humble and humbled. Yeah, and, and, and I, I want to go beyond humble. I want to go humiliated. God was humiliated. God was made, God was, made a mockery of mm. people won Rome beat God face it not in just a like a like a little way of where they're like you know oh we stoned him and you know I mean they beat him dragged him around hung him on a cross you know they beat God and then on that cross Christ cries out my God my God why have you forsaken me I mean it doesn't get much darker than that and we just want to really get over that and be like, you know, and like the Carmen video where he starts counting backwards, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. 10. Now, yep. Why are you counting backwards, God? Because the victory's coming, you know. And God rise, you know, and that passion champion. plays. Jesus bumps out of the, you know, glowing out of the, out of, out of the grave, you know. Yeah, the champion. <laughs> and everybody freaks out and God won and, and, you know, it's the whole thing. And it was kind of a wink, like, oh, don't worry, the crucifixion wasn't that bad, you know. <laughs> and it was miserable and sick and twisted and disgusting. Yeah. So the humiliation reminds us that God is in our suffering and with us, not above us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it takes God out of the sky. It takes God away from being the man in the sky and says, God is with us mm -hmm. to the point of understanding failure and humiliation 
and you know we want to have this sinless perfect idea that well jesus was this perfect being that had to die this horrible death because we're all horrible but we just argued is that could have been just for the gentiles or it could have been just for uh you know to save us from not our sins but to save us from the law you know and, and the law was the greatest sin who knows i mean we, we could spend probably days and hours and like I, I always like to say this is like hey everybody this is one talk this isn't my whole theology this isn't the whole end all of all things because some people just want to go crazy and think that this is you know one talk is the whole thing it's not it's just a glimpse into to ideas and thoughts um but i like the idea it, it struggles i really struggle with the idea of the humiliation of god mm. um i really like I can feel like I can honestly feel it in my chest that I don't like it. Like I go, ooh, ooh, like because I want the the God, the, the victorious, winning God that's got you know all the enemies are taken care of and done, and, and God won, and you're like you know because we're like, oh, Jesus had to die, you know, Jesus had to die. It was the whole p- part of the plan, mm-hmm. so Jesus had to do it. So you know, I mean, he knew he was going to die, so it wasn't really a loss, you know, because it was part of the plan. If it's you know, if it, if it didn't happen, then that would be the real loss. Mm-hmm. You see what we do there it is is we do everything we do can to lessen the sting of crucifixion, to lessen the sting of the loss, to lessen the sting of the humiliation, because we're afraid that if God isn't something more perfect or more if god you know somehow we have to dehumanize god completely Mm. and honestly i don't know what god is i don't know if god is the ground of all being i don't know i don't think god is a man in the sky i don't think god is a being necessarily um so that even gets weirder when you start to think about it but but the idea is is if if you want to go old school and be like well we were created in you know god's image then it would even make more sense if you want to go old school because then it would say, well, then there's these emotions and these humiliations and these things that happen. So, yeah, I saw somebody said that victory and humiliation is a contradiction. Yeah, I like that. I like contradictions because we'll never escape them. All we can do is learn to live with them the best we can. Anyhow, um, but I'm okay with the humiliated God. I'm okay with that. Um, You know, it, it, I mean, look at the state of Christianity right now, and you want to say victorious? We're like we have a follow a victorious God. I mm. mean, look how divided Christianity is right now. Yeah, you know, maybe maybe we need to put in some more work, or maybe we need to to realize the basis of our humil- our own humiliation, and not so much rely on like this victory concept of you know the hero is going to fly out of the sky and everything's going to end well, mm. and the credits will roll. You know, that that's not how it ends for most people's lives. Mm-hmm. And that's not how it ends for most people. And, uh, and, 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 you know, so Jesus is an American. He doesn't have the Captain America shield. God doesn't, you know, come down waving a freaking flag. Um, but we've created God, you know, God, we've created God in our own image. And then we've took it and said, well, let's even add some spice to it and create God in like the image of the hero in the movie. Yeah. And if anyone's ever met their heroes, and people you look up to and people you, you, you will realize quickly that you're, even your heroes are flawed. That one thing every human has in common is that they're flawed. You know, that there's no person who has perfectly got it together. You know, your heroes might, you know, be mean or, you know, self-righteous or, or drug addicts or, or, or gasp, have different political views than you. And you find that out. And what are you going to do? You know, now they're really (laughs) screwed. Um, you know, people are, are, are contradictions. People are screwy, you know? So it's the idea is, is that we just want to create this, this, you know, this weird, victorious unknowing that's going to fill the void completely. And maybe that's not the concept. Maybe that's it's it's maybe it's not maybe that's not what we're looking for. You know, it's not the next thing you can order on Amazon that gives you a little. Ah, you know, um, obviously it doesn't seem like God's giving that to a lot of people right now. So I think maybe there's something more to this suffering and more to this humiliation, and um, and working through that and living through that. I know through my own suffering and my own humiliation. Um, life has become greater. 
human people become greater to me. My patience has become greater. My confidence in who I am has become greater. Um, you know, so there, there's a lot to work through on that. So that's today's talk. Um, I hope you guys found it somewhat interesting. We'll probably try to get more about into this idea of a humiliated God further down the road. Um, but I think these concepts and these questions of, of what Paul is saying about crucifixion are very interesting. And I really think you could probably go and look at St. James and you could look at Peter and you could look at some of these different books and grasp different concepts and ideas from their own traditions to what they saw and what crucifixion meant to them and what, it, you know, and what they got out of it. And, uh, and it might be that type of thing is that it's something for us all to, to, to personalize in some ways. Um, but not to create into a new law that says you have to see it this way or you're not, you're not in because that's law, you know? So there you go. Um, throw stones if you will. And, uh, we'll do some afterglow. Excellent. That's why I did the fundraising thing beforehand. (laughs) Yeah. That was a, that was a heavy one, Jay. That was a thinker. Um, so early on, Bethany said that your perspective of staying hyper-focused on Christ instead of being primarily influenced by conservative or progressive politics is so important right now. Oh, and nice Yeah, I think that is nice to hear. And I think that that kind of points back to the heart of, of the emergent church that we were all so attracted to back at the time was the, 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 the unifying uh, trait or characteristic of a person in in that movement was wanting to become more Christ-like. It didn't matter, you know, politics or doctrine right. or other things that are so divisive so often and, 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 and divisive to the extent that they can blind us to seeing the humanity in other people. Right. Uh, Bob said, in the whole Bible, there's no, pa- there's no more compassionate, comprehensive, yet concise statement of truth, of the truth of the gospel than Galatians. Salvation is through faith, in Jesus Christ alone, no work on, no work can earn salvation. And then Paul said, uh, or I'm sorry, Thomas said, mm-hmm. Paul, Paul understood the promise was for the Gentiles. I wonder if Peter agreed. Or James, yeah, or even if James agreed. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, no, 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 it's for us, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was kind of the <laughs> radical idea of Paul, is that Paul came yeah. and goes like, hey, I want to reach all these people, and they're like, oh, uh-huh. you weren't thinking that big. Yeah, and plus you weren't in, in the original yeah. club. But they're like, go ahead, to, yeah. good luck with that, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Thomas did go on to also say that love, love and grace fulfilled the law, freeing us from it. And I really like that idea of... Uh, of being saved from the law or, or, or salvation from sin is salvation from the law. And that kind of ties back into the idea that um, Christ died because of our sins. You know, Christ died because of our laws. Yeah, yeah, no, it does. It kind of you brings know? it back. Yeah, it's kind of a, a similar interpretation. Uh, because of our religious law. But yeah, because sure. Of our religious sin. Uh-huh. Because we have to make God better yeah see they were that's what the Christ law was, was. Too, yeah, the, yeah. I, the law was is the idea is we need kings you know if you go yeah. back to the old testament we, we need more kings uh-huh. we need more rules we need more regulations if god doesn't show up we're going to build a calf and worship that because we want structure 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 yep. you know let me work in an office from nine to five every day mm-hmm. you know totally you know what is the guy who th- rolls the rock up the hill and down the hill yeah i can't remember his name i know who you're talking about it's, it's a layer of hell, it seems. There's no end. Uh, there's a lot of people engaging in um, political discourse. I, I would encourage you all to just not... It seems <laughs> like there's a troll. I think there's a troll on here. I would encourage you to not engage. If you really want to, you can, but it's kind of detracting from and contradicting kind of uh, what we're talking about right now. Everybody wants to just dive into So anyway, y- y'all mess. can do that if you want to, but I'm not, I'm not going to read any of that. Oh, um, good. Yeah. That's so probably I'm, a good idea. Yes. So I'm skipping... I'm concur. Thank you, Jay. With you on avoiding the... I'm just having to skip through a lot of uh, people whose comments I usually read who are deciding to engage with this troll here, but anyways. Yeah, but sometimes uh, I just, you know, I I see some people really win the folks over, win the the trolls over sometimes. Go go for it if you want to. If you can, go for it. I always try to win people over, and then sometimes I block them. Yeah. Uh, The weird thing is, is I had to leave, I left Facebook because of people. (laughs) 
<laughs> but it was just really weird is that I left Facebook more because of progressives, my fellow yeah. progressive le- left-leaners, mm-hmm. because of them than I ever did for conservatives. Conservatives, for some reason, their sting isn't as bad. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I'm, Go ahead. I'm not going to read any of those out, out loud. Uh, Sharon said, when I hear about this suffering and humiliation of Christ's, it makes me want to comfort him from the inside when you can't comfort when you can't comfort and hold an injured person. Yeah. That's a very uh maternal kind of love you're expressing there, Sharon. Uh Christy said, I'm so intrigued by the humiliated God, I cannot wait to hear more. I know that my friend Pete Rollins writes a little bit about it. Mm-hmm. I know that Slavo Zizak writes about it. Mm-hmm. I know that Todd McGowan writes about it. Mm-hmm. I know Hegel Caputo. wrote about it. I know Caputo writes about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was actually, it's kind of funny, I was talking last week a little bit about um, the necessity of, 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 of Christ to be fully human. Yeah. And how it's kind of ironic a lot of times that a lot of churches preach. He, has, he was 100% God and 100% man, but... 100% perfect man, yeah. 100%, you know, um, the, the man that, you, that we can't be, so he right. was that man for us kind of thing. Uh, Greg said, if Jesus walked into a typical U.S. church, would he be more likely to A, be flipping over tables, B, saying you hypocrites, or C, other? Hopefully the other answers would be more positive, supportive, reminding us with a point. I'm sure there would be, you know, if he did any of the table stuff. Mm-hmm. be escorting him yes. out. They'd be Indeed. like, why is this strange Middle Eastern man flipping over our tables in a <laughs> new sanctuary? Yeah. Um, if he could get through the TSA. Uh, Kate Gibbs is also saying that she is. she's also very intrigued by this, and Thomas says, challenging and thoughtful. Uh, challenging and thoughtful, thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, it's challenging me too, Thomas. I'm just, I'm not going to lie, buddy. Mm-hmm. It's been stuff that I'm working through and writing. But, but I'll be honest with you, I, I've been reading some some writings about Hegel. I, I don't, I've never read Hegel my own. Um, I don't know if I can. Maybe one day I will. But there's a lot of books about Hegel. But, um, but his interaction with his faith, especially with Christianity, has really, really intrigued me. And he really seems to connect with the love of the faith. And, but within that comes this humiliated God. And so it's, it's something I'm really working on. And it's really drawing me in to see someone who was so brilliant, not just right off the faith that he one time thought of as no different than any other faith. And just kind of like an idea and a way of people deal with life and living. And then for some reason, this, this concept came into his mind and drew him into a different type of thinking about it. And there's something that really pulls me to that. Well, things are digressing in the chat into political rhetoric. Okay. So, is it all is it all conservative Democrat stuff? I mean, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just bipartisan. It's like we're not about. It's it's someone who doesn't understand that we're right. not about being bipartisan. Yeah, and we don't. We don't represent not really a any... bipartisan group. Um, as a church, we are not legally allowed to take to to tell you who to vote for, and nor would I try to tell you who to vote for, not even to the point of what I tell you to vote, because I know there's some denominations that do not believe in that. Um, I voted. I can tell you that as a personal person. Um, And if you listen to me, you know, you don't have to be a super detective to figure anything of my stuff out, but we are not a bipartisan group. You know, the revolution is a church for all people, conservatives, Democrats, liberals, atheists, theists, Buddhists, Satanists, anybody who wants to come and hang out and chat and, and talk about the Bible and talk about religion and talk about these different thoughts and these different ideas. One thing we really try to do, because we're all going to come into an area together, so it's not going to be a safe space. Sorry, everybody. Um, but is that we want to learn to argue well. Mm-hmm. We can argue passionately. But learn from the philosophers who are able to argue their points well, you know, and then go have, I don't know if they had pints back then, Mm -hmm. um, but could go have a pint together or could talk together. Or maybe they would disagree Mm -hmm. with one another in their works and their books and their writings and stuff like that. But it wasn't the end of the world. It wasn't Mm -hmm. a judgment on on their humanity. Mm -hmm. It was the idea is that we disagree. We don't see eye to eye. And we can learn from one another. And honestly, when we learn from one another, when we communicate with one another, 
we recognize the humanity in, within each other. Yeah. And it may actually even lead to change. But that's through arguing well mm-hmm. and not demeaning the other. That's right. And not going straight to war. Because once we go to war, that's, that's, that's when violence mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. And uh, I think we should save that to, to the last moment, mm-hmm. you know, um, if we have to do that. So anyway, and, I want to encourage you guys and thank you for listening. Do you have something you wanted to add? I, I was just going to say, I think that um, you're doing yourself a disservice when you oversimplify your worldview to say, oh, all, all people in this group are, one, are in this group, and two, because they're in this group, they think this way. Yeah. And it's, it's just a, it's a one-dimensional way of looking at the world around you and the people in it, and people are not their ideologies, and half the time they don't even know what their ideologies represent. I mean, you know, recently, it's, an, it's, it's an identity thing, I think, for a lot of people. One of the things when people were saying I was scapegoating, one of the folks said to me, or said about me, well, he's just trying to cover up for his racist friends and family. And I just thought, it's like, no, that's not really it. You know, I'm really trying to have a hard, tough conversation. But if you say things like that, it's going to be really hard for me yeah. to have a conversation with you right. if, if that's if you want to go to the lowest common denominator yeah. and you don't want to think. And, mm-hmm. and, and Jung, Jung the, the, the psychoanalyst, uh-huh. says the reason uh, people like to judge is because thinking is too difficult, mm. because thinking is too hard. Mm. And to think critically is, is tough. And so we'd rather judge, you know, um, you know, it's like I'd rather take, I'd rather go to my psychiatrist and have him take me pills than have to work through my issues. Right. But when I work through my issues, I don't have to rely on pills. Do you see what I'm saying? So, so throwing people under the bus is just a way of saying, well, I'm just going to take this pill and take my happy pill and everything's going to be fine. Now, what I do is I take medication and I do therapy. Mm. So sometimes I do both, you know, but the idea for me is hopefully to eventually be able to deal with my own demons on my, my own terms and live life on life's terms. Um, and, and come into acceptance. So I think we can do that with each other. I think we can be better, and I hope we can be better. Mm. And um, everybody's really angry, and I have a feeling, I know this is off topic, and that's okay, because that's what revolution does well, is I have a feeling come January, a lot of us are going to feel a little bit embarrassed. Um. You know, because no matter who wins, we are going to have a ton of work to do. We have a ton of work ahead of us. And, uh, and, uh, and that's when, when the real work begins. So thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Um, two weeks, we'll be in Seattle. Um, very excited about that. And if you want to support our trip, revolutionchurch.com, or listen to the beginning of this talk, and it tells you all about what it's we're going to say do it in again Seattle. right now. Oh, it's about to say it again on the podcast, too. So, podcast listeners, listen away. Good night. Good night. Good afternoon. We've got to go to the going away party. Love you guys. See you next week. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. That was a post-Christian podcast.